News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. Hour number three, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. We're going through the interview that our president gave to CBS's 60 Minutes' Scott Pelley. CBS's Scott Pelley on 60 Minutes. Uh, it was a very lengthy interview. I've, uh, I chopped up the audio here. There's a bunch of it. The last chunk of it is about how Joe Biden is such a uniter. He just doesn't, you know, somehow another politics has gotten, you know, it's not over they got good again. I'm making, I'm making progress. And they say, look, Joey, you're all right by us. These MAGA people, they do, they do like me, but they won't say it in public. He's all over the map on this. All over the map. We'll get to that in a second. First, we got uh, Jimmy on the line here. Let me get Jimmy on. Hello, Jimmy. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, all right. It sounds like, Pete, the, the mainstream media is really being like, being polite and kind of asking Joe, please don't run. Please don't run. <laughs> it does kind of come across like that. It is the it's the it's the big takeaway that these guys are. T- the reason why Scott Pelley is asking the questions, and this is where I was trying to go with that earlier caller with Winston, is that he was so close to under like he was so close to making the point that you've just made, which is Scott Pelley asking the questions about his mental fitness for office. The reason Scott Pelley is asking that question is because they're having those discussions in their newsrooms. And if they're having those discussions, like you just said, it means they have concerns about him running for re-election. And this is them saying, are you sure you really want to do this? Message received. Yeah, I mean, if the governor of North Carolina runs, I mean, he's, he, he well, he's not a, a moderate at all. He just seems like he is. Or the guy from California run, and the poll numbers look good. They're going to chump Joe. You're going to hear Hunter Biden all the time. That's possible. They wouldn't do it during the presidential election, but they'd do it in the primaries. Right, and you saw what happened in the in the Democrat primary the last time they had somebody a loose cannon, someone in there who challenged uh you know their own party members it was tulsi gabbard and all it took was you know one comment from her where she essentially committed you know this political murder of kamala harris just threw her right off the cliff right there on the stage and that was it and her poll numbers tanked and she was done uh and she was out before her state even voted i believe so uh if you have somebody like that a disruptor inside the party that runs against him it could happen if he uh, if he wanted to. I don't know. I have no idea what his intentions are. I think you're right, though, Jimmy. I think I think there is a sentiment, and it's being expressed by uh, these media folks by even asking the question. They're 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 letting the White House know that this isn't uh, this is not a long term strategy for victory to keep him in the White House. Now, maybe like so. Here's the thing: you mentioned Roy Cooper. Do you think that Cooper? Because I don't think he's got a national infrastructure to help him win a presidency but could he just be like could he just kind of sub in you know could they just pick him up and say hey look we're gonna stick you in as vice president like let joe uh, let joe uh, retire early or something kamala harris becomes president and then you put uh, roy cooper in his veep yeah i mean they just want somebody to look that they're moderate, and but they're not. Mm-hmm. They just want somebody to look like it. 
Right, and 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 if and they think Roy Cooper has like the secret sauce. They think he's got the magic that uh, that other Democrats can use to win their own races. Because look, he won in in North Carolina. So if he could do it, he just needs to tell us how he does it. And um, and maybe that makes him attractive, especially uh, you know on a ticket where you know right now you got a California Democrat and a Delaware or DC Democrat, and maybe having a North Carolina Democrat might help bring some Southern votes. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, Jimmy. I appreciate the call, man. All right, all right. Take care. No, that's a it's an astute observation. Like I said, I thought Winston was going there earlier, and uh, and, and he didn't. But that's that is entirely possible. Entirely possible. The fact that they are asking these questions now because they want to convey the message, we have concerns, and we have concerns only because we know everybody has these concerns. And you can't deny it. I mean, you can, but it's obvious that you're lying. Um, politics. Concerning politics. What clip number was this? Where? Oh, no, I've lost my note. I lost. Oh, wait, here it is. Okay. Uh, he asks him, uh, Scott Pelley asks the president about politics, and is it worse now than it's ever been? I mean, gosh, it must be so difficult. You know, concerning politics, Mr. President, you were elected to the Senate in 1972. You were 29 years old. And in those days, it seemed that the parties worked together to move the country forward. Okay. Yeah. And then what? In the seventies, like when Democrats controlled everything, that's what you're talking about. That's when they move, they worked together to move the country forward towards towards what? More government. This is the thing that kills me always. Like, if my position is I want limited government, and your position is you want really expansive government, why is it a compromise that we expand government not quite as big as you wanted it, but not quite zero or reduced as I wanted? How come the compromise position is government grows? That's always the case. Why is that always the case? If I want government smaller and you want it bigger, why is the compromise position bigger? Tie goes to the runner, right? Democrats always want the tie to go to them. They're always the runner. They're always at bat. The other team never gets an at bat. We're always on offense. And so anytime, if there's a close one, we win. If it's close, we win. I think many Americans feel that that no longer happens and, in fact, may be impossible now. Well, I don't think it's impossible, but it, it's, it's changed. What we do today, think about it. It's all personal attacks. It's about motive. It's not about I disagree with you on the, on the subject matter. And secondly, I think that... Um... All right. I'm going to stop right there for a moment. Because on that point, he is correct. It is all about motives. But this has been the case my entire adult life since I've been covering politics and news, especially at the national level for the last decade. It's always about motive, but it's always been about one party's motive. I joke about how reporters, when they uh, when they get their gigs or they decide to become reporters, it's like a superpower. But you can only have one. Right. You get the superpower, but then you also have the weakness, the kryptonite. Right. And the superpower is always that they can discern and, and divine the motive of every Republican. And it's always evil. They always know the Republicans are, are motivated by politics and evil and hatred of, of, of people, taking stuff away from people. That's always there. And that's always their motivation. And the reporters always know it. But Democrats, they can never figure out 
what the political motivations might be for them. All I ask for is a consistent application of a standard. If you're going to ascribe motive to a politician, then you should ascribe motive to all of the politicians. You should be trying to suss that out. And you cannot tell me that all the Democrats are simply motivated by wanting to help people because that's what the narrative has been for a decade. So Joe Biden is correct about the assumption of motive and the attacks based on motive. That is true. But our corporate legacy media tend to only go one direction with that. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Yeah, Joe Biden, who ran as a uniter, that was the whole deal. People were like, ooh, orange man makes me feel bad. I don't like him. And so they were like, we want somebody who's going to bring us together. And, of course, we all know what, you know, bringing people together means, you know, shut up and surrender to our agenda. And so uh, this was supposed to happen. And I saw it. Look, I saw it in my personal life where when Biden won, I got people who for the previous four years were just poop posting all over social media about how bad the orange man was. Right. And then as soon as Biden gets elected, it's. Yeah, I think we should all come together and. We really need to, you know, move forward together as a country. Now the election is over. This is a new page. Like, oh, yeah, now they want a honeymoon. After dragging this guy for five years prior, denigrating all of his supporters, then, oh, and now I'm in charge. So come on, everybody. Let's just unite around what I want. Can't we all just unite? No. No. You don't want, I talked with uh, David Harsani at the time from The Federalist. Uh, or I guess at that time he was at National Review. He's now back at thefederalist.com. And, you know, David said, you don't want everybody unified. Usually, if everyone is unified on something in a in a representative republic like we've got, right, in a democracy, if everyone is unified, either something terrible has happened that we've all, like after 9-11, the whole country unifies, right? It rallies around something because something bad happened or... Something bad's about to happen, <laughs> right? Because everybody unified pushing in one direction is kind of like, yeah, that like that's that's scary to me. It's almost as scary as all of the uh, all of the Trump supporters at that rally holding up the, the the one finger. I'm supposed to be outraged at this or something. This is what kills me. The things that frighten Democrats, or at least they say frightens them, I don't even believe it. I think a lot of it is it's just theater, right? It's performative. I don't actually believe that, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was weeping at the chain link fence. By the way, have you seen the memes of her? They've put her out at Martha's Vineyard now. and they <laughs> Yeah, they Photoshop her at the crying outside of Martha's Vineyard. So I don't, I don't believe that. I think it was performative that everyone's, oh, I can't believe it. Donald Trump did this thing. <gasps> Donald Trump said this thing. Oh, my gosh, our democracy. I don't believe it. I cannot believe it. You cannot be... That childish. You cannot be this uh, hysterical. Maybe, okay, yes, maybe a lot of people are, and I am not. And so uh, I'm just a jerk. Okay, fine. Admit it. 
But uh, I, I don't believe that. I believe, like, say, 90% of the people that perform this way don't actually believe it. Kind of like the Sanctuary City thing, right? Oh, yeah, we're Sanctuary City. We This city has no room for hate. We welcome all people. Love is love. Right? And then you get 50 people delivered to your doorstep, and it's like, oh, somebody else take them. And then, oh, but we're going to give you hugs and kisses on the way out. Goodbye, brown people. Right? That's what the Martha's Vineyard. And you see them all waving. They look like Kamala Harris waving at that, yeah, waving at the bus as it drove away or whatever. (laughs) That's what they were doing. These Martha Vineyards people who claim to be, and and by the way, all of the other sanctuary cities that have freaked out because, oh my gosh, you claim to be a sanctuary city, and so you got a shipment of migrants delivered to you. What did you think a sanctuary city was about? By the way, I also don't buy into the uh, the idea that these cities. Uh, you know, or don't know how to respond, and they don't actually like all of these migrants because racism. I don't believe that. I mean, I joke like that, but I don't believe that because cities, New York, Chicago, right? These are very diverse cities. So the idea that they would object to non-white people arriving at their city border, I mean, that's just absurd. Now, I do find it very illustrative of their uh, hypocrisy, and their recognition, sort of at the root of this, that that the open border policy is a failure. They just don't have to deal with the consequences of it. And that's what the effort highlighted. That's what the, the busing and the flying of migrants to other cities, these sanctuary cities, that's what it proves. That they've been lying. That they've been lying. That as long as it's happening, I actually saw a quote from somebody at Martha's Vineyards who said, You know, we're not a border town. We're not set up to handle this. Yeah, well, those border towns weren't set up to handle it either. You guys don't seem to care about that. And then there was this. Oh, Twitter. Why are you doing that to me? Why would you do that, Twitter? I hate Twitter uh, most times. A lot of times. Hang on. I got to search this guy. Steve Schmidt. This was, uh, yeah, here he is. Here it is. Listen to this. And he pinned it. He pinned this tweet to the top of his timeline. So proud of this tweet he is that he posted it, he pinned it, and he wants everybody to see it first. Here's what he says. I'm going to say something. This was John McCain's campaign manager. I'm going to say something. There's no hyperbole attached to it. I mean it. Every word. Okay, just because you mean it doesn't mean it's not hyperbolic. Okay? Anyone who thinks Ron DeSantis wouldn't kill his political opponents given the chance doesn't understand who he is. He just proved it. The refusal to see that is stupid, recklessly stupid. The Martha's Vineyard stunt was a capricious act of cruelty built on a mountain of dehumanization. He certainly has all of the buzzwords here, but you get the idea. So because Ron DeSantis sent migrants to a sanctuary city, the wealth, one of the wealthiest areas of America filled with some of the bleeding heartiest of the bleeding heart liberals, right? Super amounts of privilege, super amounts of resources to help these people. Because he did that, this is supposed to mean that he would kill his political opponent. That's what we are to believe. This is what Steve Schmidt says, but it's not hyperbolic. Talk about ascribing motive. Good Lord. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 
704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. I will re-rack that audio clip. I'm sorry I keep interrupting the president, but he just says so many dumb things. All right, let me go over here to Mike uh, before we go to the audio. Hello, Mike. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pete. How you doing? Hey, I'm good, man. What's up? I knew as soon as I heard that Martha's Vineyard got some of the uh, immigrants that there was going to be an awful uproar because they're the elite. They do not have to put up with this kind of stuff. They make the rules, but they don't want to follow the rules. Or these guys in the border states, you know, they've done more than their share. Right. And it's time that, that the elite realize that their rules are the same as ours. Right. Which is, I, and that was the point that was made, which is why you are uh, seeing, I think, a lot of the media and Democrats, but I repeat myself, trying to uh, distance themselves from that obvious point and trying to make it, oh, you're treating them like pawns. And uh, well, OK, so if, if DeSantis and uh, and Abbott and Ducey, if they're treating the migrants as pawns, then so, too, is the Biden administration, who is shipping more migrants all over America than all three of those three Republican governors combined. That's absolutely true. And the other part of it is these people are homeless. You know, it's not like he's taking them out of their homes and sending them to different places. They have no home. Yeah, and they were asked. It's up to the nation as a whole to take care of this until Joe Biden wakes up and decides he blew it. Right. Right. The the way to solve the problem for Martha's Vineyard getting, you know, uh, what do they call it, a humanitarian emergency declaration or something, uh, the, the way to avoid that from occurring is to have secure borders. And right. to me, it's an obvious it's an obvious thing. And now you're seeing also uh, portions of the wall getting constructed, even though he said he wouldn't do that. But, of course, they you know come up with the excuse we're doing it to save migrants lives. Um, yeah, well, because when you tell people that they can stay if they get here, people will take really, really risky routes to get here because that's how much they want to be here. And so when you when you offer up the inducement, people behave in ways that are going to put themselves at risk. And and to me, it's one of the other components of it. To me, it is, it is indefensible to allow the system to persist that victimizes so many of the people trying to come here. It breaks my heart to hear of the people that are abused by the cartels and coyotes on the way across the border. We have created that system. Our government has created that system, and it's reprehensible. It's it is it's despicable. And I, like, I don't support that. I, I, I am an uh, I am a legal immigration supporter. I want legal immigration. I'm OK with unskilled legal immigration, but it's got to be legal. The funny thing is, my wife's family came over uh, from Italy uh, before right after World War Two. Mm-hmm. And they all came the right way. They came through Ellis Island. Mm-hmm. It is a slap in the face to everybody that went through the proper channels to come to the United States. Yeah, I mean, and, and there, well, two things on that. Number one is it's a lot harder now to get in, especially if you're not skilled, right? It, it, the hoops, because, of course, this is a government program, and uh, there are all sorts of hoops to jump through. It takes years 
I think the I saw a, a rundown of this the other day where it was like the the earliest somebody could expect to get in if they're doing it the right way, doing it legally, the earliest they could expect to become a citizen somewhere like in the neighborhood of six to eight years. That's too long. It's too long. And too much government. Right. And so the, the system needs to be fixed, but nobody wants to fix it for various reasons. And um, back then, also, when you're, you know, when you're family came over, when my family came over before that, uh, you know, with the potato famine and all, they were, um, you know, they were turned away if they were sick. You know, you don't get that now. You don't get a lot of the same, uh, you know, harsh realities that people back then, that we would never, we would never allow that kind of a system to occur now. It, w- it would be barbaric, right? Oh my gosh, you're going to separate families? Like if your kid is sick, then mom or dad goes back to the home country with their kid and the other parent stays with the rest of the uh, kids in America. They would never allow that to happen. Reunification policies prohibit that sort of thing now. So it's it's yeah. it's just all a mess and nobody is serious. Uh, who did I hear the other day? I guess it was, was it Winter Bowl again? I think he said we are, we're fundamentally a nation of serious and unserious people and there are too many unserious people in charge of these policies, and they don't let anything get done. They're just entrenched, and it's and it's sick. It's absolutely sick. Mike, I appreciate you the know call. What gets me? Yeah, yeah. Is our Republican congressmen have not caused a big ruckus over this. Well, they I, I think they have, but I mean, this has been I mean, we've been having this fight for twenty years now, right? Ever since George W. Bush and the path to citizenship, don't call it amnesty thing, because. Everybody wants their preferred policy. They want either cheap labor, right? Corporate chamber want the cheap labor, uh, and and Democrats want voters. Now, maybe that paradigm shifts because we're finding out a lot of Hispanic immigrants aren't voting Democrat anymore. So maybe maybe the calculus shifts a little bit. I don't know. Uh, but, Mike, I do appreciate the call. Uh, thank you very much. Let me go over here to Norma and get her on before the break. Hello, Norma. Welcome to the program. Hey. Hey. Hello. Yes, I'm fine. What's up? Okay. Uh, you know, now we're everybody seems to be referring to these people that are being stabbed on Martha's Vineyard and wherever else as migrant workers. Aren't they just, uh, you know, illegal aliens coming across the border? Did we, you know, it makes it sound like, oh, they're migrant workers. They're coming over here to pick vegetables in our fields. They're just homeless people that have come across the border illegally and well, right, because this is the war over the language because much like, yeah. you know, terms like progressive and liberal be, and socialist, right, they get these negative connotations. And so then the people who the labels actually apply to, they don't like the labels, so they try to get them fixed. They have allies in the media that rework the language for them in telling them the story. So, yes. Uh, now, my my preferred I'm, I'm fine with the word migrant. It just means someone who's moving around like I'm fine with that. Um, you can, you know, you can call them refugees if you want, or asylum seekers. I, my, my preferred term is unauthorized immigrant because they're not authorized. They're not authorized to immigrate here. That's what they are. The, the, the term illegal alien is a, that's a legal term. And usually a, uh, that's a, it's a term that is applied once adjudicated as such. And if they're coming here and they're not adjudicated as an illegal alien yet, then do they actually achieve that title? You know, it's sort of like, are you a criminal simply by being arrested? You're a defendant. You're the charged or the accused. I mean, these are the language games we play. And I I don't deny, I agree with you, Norma, that there is a, there's a reason why they're using different words all the time, trying to make different words stick. 
uh, because it, it's a euphemism. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes it sound like, oh, well, Florida doesn't need them because they don't have any crops to be picked. So let's send them up to Martha's Vineyards when they're all just people coming across the border. Yeah. Well, well, Florida has a lot of uh, a lot of oranges, right? But I don't know if it's orange picking yeah. season. And Martha's Vineyard, I'm yeah. assuming, has got a lot of vines. And so maybe a lot yeah. of grapes to pick, too, For I guess. Yeah, yeah but, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it just, it makes, and, and we had this conversation the other day, and, you know, over there, sitting there's poor people up there not telling them where they're going. That's a bunch of... Yeah, no, it's not yeah. true. They were told they had maps, yeah. they had brochures, they were they signed waivers. Right. Oh. Yeah, now just because some guy yeah. that got off the bus didn't know where he was doesn't mean that he wasn't told. Right, right. So right. yeah, and I and I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know how much they were told. I don't know who retained what, who remembered. Maybe there was a language barrier. I don't know. But uh, the right. people that did, the people that organized it. Uh, they say, they they showed, they got the brochures, they got, uh, this is where you're going, here's the map, here's the waiver you sign, and they wanted to go, and uh, most of the people that got off the bus were like, yes, we wanted jobs, and they said we can come up here. Like, why wouldn't you want to go to Martha's Vineyard? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. I agree. It's nice, I hear. I wouldn't mind going. Right. Somebody send me up there. And then then turn around and put them on a bus and put them on a naval base so we can all pay for them. Right. Now, see, now that's that's the real tragedy here is that they ended up getting sent uh, up to, like, Boston. That's just... That's awful. That's I would not wish on. All right, Norma, I appreciate the call. Thank you. All right, take care. Yeah, I would not wish that on anybody. But I say that as a... As one who was born in New York. It's my birthright. Newstalk 1110-993-WBT. Got a message here on the Twitter. Pete, I wonder what journalists like Scott Pelley really feel like after having to put themselves through that interview with Biden. People like Pelley drive me nuts. He thinks himself in such a regal position. They all tend to do the Chris Wallace shall not tarnish this elected official unless it's a Republican with my questions. Uh, that's all the news is. Who had something taken away and who is to blame for it? My folks still watch the news at 6 and 11. And it drives me nuts. It's the MacGuffin, the MacGuffinization of our politics. Um, this was a, what was it, Strangers on a Train, I think, right, where uh, they had like, they were they were both trying to get the MacGuffin. And you never know what the MacGuffin is. They never tell you what it is in the movie because it doesn't matter. All that matters is who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. And you root for one. That's it. That's what politics is, the MacGuffinization of politics. We're the good guys. Those other guys are terrible. So it doesn't matter what we're fighting over. You just need to be on my side. Let me go over here to Janice. Hello, Janice. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Pete. How are you? Hey, I'm good. What's going on? Well, just wanted to comment because I know I heard earlier you were talking about like how legal legal immigrants take a long time to come in here. Um, I was one of those. I went through that process about 15 years ago. Um, and now my sister is undergoing that process, and it's been nine years. Oh, my gosh. How long did and, it take uh, you 15 years ago? Well, 15 years, it didn't take me long because I was a skilled worker. Okay. Um, my sister is undergoing the family uh, petition, but she's also skilled. She's a chef. Okay. So, you know, when she comes here, she's going to get a job, you know, contribute to society. Um, I'm, I'm not... I'm, I don't have anything against immigrants, of course, but it's a slap in the face of those who came here legally. Yeah. Those who who went through the process, paid the fees, um, went through the medical exam, 
everything. Yeah. And um, and one more thing. Um, the response with Martha's Vineyard, they shipped them out. It was faster than the response in Benghazi. So just... <laughs> there you go, Janice. <laughs> that's it. No, it's exactly right. Also, I've been informed that uh, there are no vineyards oh. at, at Martha's <laughs> Vineyards. Yeah, so... Uh, hey, I've been here, and I've never been to Martha's Vineyard, so yay for those 50 who, right. who went to see them. Yeah, at least they got a day. They got free food. They got a place to stay. And here's the other thing, that the people when uh, that the people that made it to Martha's Vineyard, they came out of initially Texas... And the system down there is so overrun that people are literally sleeping in the streets now. They have no wow. shelter space. So it, I don't understand what else we expect these border cities to do. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's 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 pathetic. Yeah, not yeah, really. Is it? You know, some legal immigrants come here with nothing. Right. I had six hundred bucks in my pocket when I came here. I was eating on top of boxes, and. It was okay because I wanted to be here, and I'm proud to be here. And I became a citizen about uh, four years ago. It was the proudest day of my life. I bet. And we're, I'm so glad you called. I'm so glad you're here. You, uh, I have said for years, you are the people that I want here. People who want to be here and want to do it the right way, they're the ones I want. Because you contribute more to society than a lot of Americans that are just born here by luck, like me, right? Uh, you, you contribute way more. And, and it's people who are willing to take active steps to get what they want, obviously want it a lot. And uh, and that's why, and I know, like, the system is rigged against unskilled workers. And I understand why. But I also understand that if you shut out all unskilled workers, uh, then we probably are going to have a problem filling some of those ranks. And it also means exactly. that unskilled workers are going to have more of an incentive to break the rules to get here because the numbers we allow in are so low. It's only like 10,000 a year or something. Oh, yeah. And um, not just that. I think they just want they they keep the legal immigration so slow because they know they'll vote rep- Republican for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very likely too. <laughs> Janice, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, you have a good day. You too. Take care. No, it... it, it it is a, it's a huge problem, and also the overwhelming of the system by the unskilled and skilled, but the, those crossing illegally, those coming in illegally, that overwhelms the system, and that slows down the legal process for those trying to do it legally as well. It's, it's just, it's all a mess, and I'm just, I'm, and I'm, I'm fed up with the, uh, I'm fed up with the, the political parties that pretend they have the idea and pretend that like we really want this thing to work and we really have the ideas and we really can get solutions. They don't for whatever reasons they don't. I've said from the beginning, I'm willing to have the conversations about amnesty. I'm willing to have all of them, but I'm not willing to do it before the border is secure. And that doesn't just mean the physical border. It means people who come here on student visas, people who come on tourist visas, right? People who come in and stay and don't leave. And then we, oh, we just lose track of them. No, a secure border means a secure border. And then once you do that, okay, well then, all right, now we, we fix the system. We fix the legal system. We fix the illegal system. And we say, all right, what's a rational system to have, a rational policy? Open it up. And then after all of that is done, then say, okay, what do we do with the people that are here? Do we give them a chance to come out and get citizenship? background checks and all of that. 
There is a way forward. Nobody seems interested in taking it, though. All right. I got to run. I appreciate it. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.